You're listening to Grace Geltman and Weld on The Hammer Factor. Take it away, boys. My name is John Grace, and welcome to the show. We have uh, our co-host, Lewis Geltman, Poker Maverick, King of the North Fork, North Fork Champion, and uh, policy ca- policy director for the Outdoor Alliance on the line. We also have John Weld, Whitewater Legend, co-owner of Immersion Research and Spray Skirt Master. And special guest in the studio, we have Colin Hunt with us for the whole show. Colin Hunt, I don't have an intro for him, but he is an all-around good guy and sick kayaker and a co-worker here at Amongst It, Inc. So... All right, let's get right into it. Welcome yeah, back. Can we get into this? Actually, Colin works for you. Is this is this what I'm hearing? Yep. Well, I have so in, Colin's well, I have in the past, and now it's kind of like part time contract basis. You following in the line in a long line of interns that have worked for Grace that have basically gone missing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Does that concern you at all? That's cool. I mean, I can eat half a dozen young men like yourself who disappeared after working for Grace for some period of time. Ah, that's such nonsense, Weld. They weren't, they weren't lifers. There, that's the difference. There's a whole Ooh, graveyard. <laughs> there's a whole graveyard behind IR up there, so I don't want to hear it. Yeah. All right, okay. Well, Weld's going to hit you up afterwards to start working on the tell-all. So before <laughs> we get into this, I want to go ahead and say we have the best show notes in the business. you got to check out the feed and have a look at these. These are created by John Weld. I have to edit them down just a little bit, but they are really good. This is your calling, Weld. I'm telling I think you. you edit, edit them down more than just a little bit. <laughs> certain things certainly can't make the air, but uh, it's always a fun read. <clears throat> All right. You guys ready to get into it? Hey, okay. Yeah, no, but first, you know what we need to do? And Kara brought this, brought this up the other day, and it's true. We need to introduce you. Who? Because you, John Grace. Well, who wants to do that? Somebody should do that. I mean, I can't do it. I, I could do it myself. Um, Let's have Colin do it. Okay. Colin, introduce me to the show. All right. John Grace, the first person to ever complete a vertical mile on a single river without lapping any rapid. And uh, also cool. very good at bouncing babies. There you go. So right. I can do vertical miles and bounce babies. Um. First topic we want to touch on here, and I sent this in an email to you guys. I don't, Colin, this, a lot of this is news to you, but uh, bear with us here. So I don't know what happened with our season two episodes here. I really have no idea, but we essentially went from low ball estimates, about 2,500 listeners, to around 5,000 in a matter of, I don't know, three weeks or something like that. So what does this mean? <laughs> In the show notes, are autographs next? Groupies? Are Grace's kids going to get chiggers from used pajamas that we picked up at the Goodwill store? <laughs> are we ready? This is serious. Are we ready for a live hammer factor? Are we ready for that, guys? Are we ready to I think if on? someone has a great kayaking event and they're willing to fly us out and put us up in a nice hotel and provide beer, yes, I think we're ready. Well, the, the reason don't, I think... Don't forget about the honorarium. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> Wells already forgot about that. I, I got some treats for you coming up. <laughs> um, so, basically, we have the, 
and this is why I think the Hammer Factor Live is a good addition because we'll get into this, but as we were talking about our uh, open-ended rating system for Whitewater, we had uh, basically a dozen emails of people calling us out. And if we would have been live, they could have told us right there, hey, check out this link, and we could have referenced it, and it would have like kind of added some value to the dialogue there. So Hammer Factor Live, it may be happening. Also, <laughs> first-time caller, long-time listener. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. Calling from Hammer Factor Nation. <laughs> a, cu- a couple things. We need, like a, we need like a catchphrase, you know, like uh... – the juggle will have like whoop whoop something like that. <laughs> some in. some sound effects to go. It's calling a little hot there. Is that better? Um. So looking back, so I look at this. I you know I'm like oh god man, there's like a lot of you know I'm picturing a crowd like a room of five thousand people and us talking in front of them, which is essentially what we got going on here with the hammer factor. And. uh so I decided to listen, and I don't know about you, Weld, or you, Lewis, but how often do you guys listen to the show? Mm, I listen occasionally. Yeah, I listen to one show. I I hardly ever listen. But anyway, I was like, man, what happened? So I started like going back over and listening to a few of our more successful shows and whatnot. <clears throat> one trend that came out of this that I have that I I, I want to clarify is there is this mantra that's come up on the hammer factor that the only way you can be a good paddler is if you are a slalom guy all right mm. yes this it's come up i I've, i'm don't, listening don't to, put that on me i'm putting that one on well i think that's it's on kind of both you guys like valley mill slalom push-ups and pull-ups you know it's like don't don't, don't conflate uh our nostalgia with a prescription for what you have to do. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I just want to throw props out there to anybody who's kayaking all the time and kayaking hard and practicing. You can get good at kayaking. Look at Dane Jackson. He's not a slalom kayaker. Look at Sam Sutton. He's not a slalom kayaker. You know, there's uh, all Dude, kinds I of totally things. agree. I think that's one of the biggest trends. I think that's been one of the biggest things that's changed from, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And now is that, you know, 25 years ago, that was unquestionably true that all the best paddlers had, well, I don't want to say unquestionably true, but it was notable that a lot of the best paddlers had a small background. And now you can look at guys like, you know, like, like, look at GERD. Like, you cannot, like, when you watch that guy paddle, you think that he grew up racing slalom because his technique is so good. And it's like, he told me one time, I asked him if he started paddling slalom when he was a kid. And he said that he was like 14 and went to the slalom club and they told him he was too old. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, I I think, I think if I were to make a, if I were making a point about that, it would be that, uh, you know, there's a lot of boaters out there who are intermediate or advanced level boaters who don't have a lot of skills and they don't have the luxury of traveling around the world, pounding the world's best whitewater full time. And if they go out to gates and they have a class two rapid with gates on it, which is not that hard to find, they can prove their skills a thousandfold without running the upper yacht three times a summer, you, you know, that's, I just think there's a lot to be gained from that. Yeah, I totally agree with that too. That's the first thing. The second thing is, and this is a point that Kara's made up and I would need Kara to really defend this, but her point is that there's a lot of extreme racers out there who are on the sort of very loosely loose extreme race circuit who have no discipline whatsoever when it comes to training. 
It's basically party race, party race, party race. You know what I mean? And there's no idea they're going to get, they're going to get into a workout two times a day to train for this kind of an event. Yeah, but know? it and seems she, to be working. She's always felt well. She's always felt like if someone were actually training with the same discipline as a slalom racer, that it would be, you know, it'd be a whole different, a whole different level. Performance. I, that's essentially what Gerd did a couple of years ago when he swept all the races. You know, he put in a ton of work, and it showed by him. You know, winning Little White Race, North Fork Championship, you know, other races around the country. Well, I'll back it up that if you're running the Stikine in a day, every day for like a week and a half, that's harder training than you're ever going to do doing two a days at some course. Sure. No one's going to argue that, but how many people are doing that? How many people have the ability, you know, I mean, there's a... (laughs) I mean, come on. <laughs> anyway, I that was be, just... I, I can't even begin to argue with that. It's so stupid. Any, anyway. Anyway, we're off topic here. But I just wanted to point that out because I was actually Wait, listening. Wait, now, show. forever. <laughs> and I will say that... Uh, How long would it take to do a vertical mile on the feeder canal? <laughs> <laughs> like, like your entire career. <laughs> uh, and I will say that... Uh, <clears throat> listening through the past episodes i mean we have some you know definitely we're weak in some regards but it's it's pretty entertaining so maybe there's something there i don't know also i was looking over the stats and it's funny like the whole first like half a year we were doing this there were like 150 of our friends listening (laughs) like 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 we should have just been like calling out our friends who are listening on the show instead of acting like we had this audience (laughs) there was nobody listening um. All right. Where are we at? Okay. Let's talk about river levels real quick because that did get a lot of emails. Okay. Lead, in, lead. in top of the people chiding us for not mentioning the AW system. Lead, lead us off on that. Well, I'll read out a couple, and you guys can give me your reaction to this. Uh, so Nate Woodward wrote us, and... Uh, he basically offered the threshold for class five would be the consequences of swim. If you, there was a class four and a class five is, it five is that if you swim in a class five, you could get really badly hurt or killed. Let me, let me read his email here. So Nathan Woodward, hat tip Nathan Woodward. So the whole, once you get into class five, there is a big range thing, which is something we talked around on the show. My question is how do you guys differentiate what makes a class four rapid and a class five rapid? Personally, my threshold is consequences for a swim. Class four equals banged up swim. Class five equals banged up swim, potential for getting really beat up or killed if it's bad. Does anybody want to take that one? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm there on that one. I don't know. I mean, especially like big, big drops. Like, or how about, and I know it's fun to call it California class three. But how about, like, the thing on Fantasy Falls? Like, that rapid is, like... Big. Gnarly, man. Like, <laughs> I've, I've never run that rapid, and I have no plans of running that rapid. And if you swim, assuming that your arms haven't been literally torn off of your body before you manage to pull your spray skirt, <laughs> you know, you're going to be okay. But, like, I, I don't know how you don't call that thing class five. I don't know. I agree. I've always said that you know the the rating system it depends on difficulty and consequence. You know, so there's a rapid on the Chattuga called uh, Crack in the Rock, which 
it's a, you know, several different cracks, but it's essentially a two or three foot ledge. If you mess it up, you know, there's pretty awful, awful sieves in there. That's class five, but then you can also have, you know, like the 40 footer on the middle fui. It's kind of like the California rapid you just mentioned where like people boof it, they freewheel it. You can do whatever you want off of it. There's a giant pool at the bottom. So the difficulty, I don't know, you know, I wouldn't say it's super hard or now I'm getting this mixed up. The consequence isn't really there. There's a giant pool at the bottom. You can, you know, you're not going to break yourself. You're not going to go into a hole or a sieve. But, you know, it's a it's a 40-foot waterfall. You can't really call that class four. So, I think, I think you could. You could? Yeah. I couldn't. What, what would you call Metlaco? Two. Uh. <laughs> 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 All right, so, so here's another one from uh, Sam Haywood. It's about the same thing, so this, this topic's not over. He says, uh, Sam Haywood writes in, one last thing, I'm interested in what class you'd rate the five falls of the Chattooga. This leads into what Colin was just talking about. When I heard that you said the Nanahala Cascades was class four, I was a bit taken back. I'm uh, the dynamic between flow, difficulty, and consequences is certainly interesting. So what do you think he means? Does he think cas- Cascades is three, or does he think it's five? I was gathering he thought it was five. Hmm. I mean, it's not a three. I, mean, I don't think he would call it a three. I think. No. No, I think like that is the quintessential class four rapid. It's hard. It's pushy. There are some beat-down potential in a hole, um, but you can pretty much point it down river and keep it straight and you're going to be fine anywhere. Yeah. yeah evidently the, the parade of beaters going down that rapid on a, on a medium water day is long. Yeah. You know, no one it's funny to you. Like, you know, like we have a few out here, like, like the farmland section above the green truss on the white salmon that we call class four and like Canyon Creek, North of Portland that we call class four. And, like, both of those runs have a couple of just, like, really, really sticky ledge holes. And it's, like, if you are good at boofing and know how to do that and keep your bow up all the time, it is, like, it just, like, couldn't be easier. And if you're, like, kind of shaky with that skill, like, that lava falls rapid on on the farmlands. You know, it's just, like, a super clean eight-foot ledge with a really bad hole. And it's, like, if you're a class five paddler, like you don't get your face wet, your heart rate doesn't go above 40 and it's whatever. But if you're like kind of shaky on whether or not you can land that thing flat and paddle out and you don't do that, like you're going to get just punished, you know? Right. And it's like, once you have that skill wired, it's like, it's just not a big deal. But until then it's going to be like, you're going to have a real average time, you know? Would you guys, sorry, Will, go uh, ahead. I was, I, I've noticed in my paddling career how people will come to a rapid like, say, the Big Splat or whatever on, on the Sandy, and they'll say, well, if you swim there, you're going to die. You're, you're, that's all there is to it. You're going to die. And then someone swims there, and they're okay. And then 20 years later, 500 people swim over that rapid, and people realize, well, you're actually really not going to die at all, and now it's a class four. Huh. Yeah. But you're still going to have like a pretty a – pretty, average experience if you swim a big splat you know i mean <laughs> pretty average <laughs> well put yeah it would it would prompt like a one-star review on yelp if you swim over there <laughs> fantastic waterfall terrible swim one star uh, 
Well, you know, so let's talk about Big Splat. How do you, is that a four or a five? Including the lead in and everything. I mean, to me, it's so, I mean, this is, this is the root of the problem for me. Cause for me, I'm like, it's four it's, it's, it's a class four, plain and simple. But I know so many people are, are going to disagree with that, you know? Yeah. Well, to me, it's, it's multiple moves. So like when you get into a class four, there may be like, you're talking about Lewis, like one ledge you have to boof or something like that, where it gets into class five in my estimation is when, and I'm taking consequences out of the equation, just talking about difficulty, is when you have multiple moves you have to make. So if you've got three or four stout moves that you've got to pull off in the same drop, to me that's a class five rapid versus one important move. And that's why I would but, agree with you on big splat because you know, it's me, really one yeah. move. Along the same lines, like the Blackwater, I think, is a whole series of class four moves that pack together make a class five run. Yep. Exactly. Because they're just so stacked. And the, and, and the Blackwater's had a history of killing people. You know, so there is definitely consequence for a swimmer. To me, to me, my class four benchmark is I like envision somebody who feels totally comfortable running the upper golly. And that's kind of like the top of their ability. And I'm like, if I took that competent upper golly paddler to this river, how are they going to feel about it? And if the answer is like peaked out and this might not be a good idea, then I'm starting to think that that's getting towards class five. Well, I don't know. This is a great discussion. I don't think it's going to end on this episode, but, uh, I think next episode it will end though. We will have the final answer and we will disseminate <laughs> that information to the paddling community. And that will be the end of it. But it took us a whole and season. Once again, it'll be four white men deciding what's right and what's wrong. For everyone <laughs> and the rest of the world. Amen. <laughs> but I mean, think about it. It took us a whole season to convince the world that 200 centimeters was minimum length. I mean, so it may take us a little while to convince people the difference between four and five here. Maybe if we had a live call-in show, we could stop talking about the same things over and over again. Okay. Maybe that would help. All right. Let's move on. Moving on in the show notes. (laughs) Weld is considering starting a Kickstarter to get yeasted beyond the prototype stage. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, because I had high hopes for yeasted, Evan Garcia, uh, you know, poo-pooed this yeasted thing last episode, suggesting it could never get off the ground, and I disagree. And I'm getting Kickstarter going, and if I get it off the ground, every paddler in this country will be able to use the term yeasted. Maybe even the world. And you're asking, why am I raising the money? It's to get Evan Garcia deported, and the rest of his family deported. Back to wherever the Garcias come from. Honduras? Guatemala? I don't know. We'll I don't have, care. We'll have the link. We'll have the They're link. They're poo-pooing yeasted. I don't want them in this country anymore. <laughs> we'll have the link to the Kickstarter for Yeasted Foundation in the uh, in the show notes. Thank you. Um, let's move on to the uh, to the race in Europe. Um, several. Yes. We we had some email about this. Um, we did indeed. Actually, some quite passionate people who wrote in. I'm going to pick a couple here. It, this one. This one kind for of the record. This was Geltman. This who is was Geltman. really anti sickline. I had nothing to say about it. I have no problem with sickline. I have no problem with sickline. I look at sickline. You know what I think when I look at sickline? I'm like, how do I get some of that Adidas money coming my way? That's the only thing I think about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just glad that somebody else is the focal point of angry emails this week. <laughs> Dude, you have no idea how, how awesome this is. So, All so, right, Grace, yep. let him have it. All right, so Geltman, 
This one's directed at you. You're the king poo-poo of the sick line. Um, Jan Choutka uh, writes in. This was a YouTube. This came in through our YouTube channel. I think um, it's Jan. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Amen. Hey, come on. We're four white guys here. You know. um, Jan Choutka. I'm going to say it like that. Um, he says, I think organizers of the, of the sick line has done quite impressive job and impact of the whitewater paddling on a global commercial scale is bigger than any other event in the world. Quality of athletes highest too. I don't like the rules. I don't like restrictions on boat links and composite plastic. I don't like banning the BRAP, etc. but it's Olaf's race. If you don't like it, don't do it or even better. Please make better event and I will race there. Lewis. Yes. Well, as I told you guys earlier, I, I've carefully, carefully examined my feelings on this subject over the last 20 minutes, and I've arrived at the conclusion that my ill feelings towards sick wine stem entirely from the use of the term world championships. It's just not the world championships. You can't just name your event the world championships, be like, you know, and then he's like, oh, it's Olaf's race. Olaf gets to make these decisions. If it's the world championships, it's not Olaf's race. If it's Olaf's race, it's not the world championships. Like, it just, there has to be some, something beyond, like, we've named our race the world championships. And, and I, you're right, like, fundamentally, everything about it is cool. I would, I think that's the whole thing that's coloring my, my, feelings about this it's just like like you can't just call your race the world championships it's it's the same rapid every single year it's it's just world championships travel world championships have input from a wider group of people than one race organizer like it's just that's what it is and and beyond I, that it's great it's fine but i'm like I, I can't i can't quite get past that and I will back it up. If you are going to call your race the world championship, you better be prepared for all of this stuff that comes from it. You know, <clears throat> so you're, you know, you're calling yourself the world championship. Hey, I agree. I think it is Olaf's race. I, I think know. it could be on one river as long as the river is the green. Uh, <laughs> that's why Green Race 23 next year, the Whitewater World Championship is our tagline. So. <laughs> These guys have already, you guys have already elevated the green race beyond a mere world championship of kayaking to the greatest show in all sports. Exactly. So <laughs> have you guys copyrighted that yet? <sighs> no, but I mean, pretty much it's understood at this point. <laughs> um, <coughs> all right, here's one for, uh, here's one for Lewis. And we kind of skipped our, uh, policy. Do we want to get into any policy? Lewis, do you have any zinky dirt or anything that we can talk about? Or do we get right into the snail darter here? Um, we can talk about the snail darter. We can talk about this monuments bill. We can talk about Congress voting yesterday to open up drilling in the Arctic wildlife refuge. I think we've actually said enough already. (laughs) 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 Thank you, Lewis. That was great. (laughs) Everything is fucked. Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag, hashtag, everything is fucked. Um, Quint Doan, really? Well, I love your show notes, dude. If I'm ever in a bad mood... That's the greatest name. I don't know. I don't know who this guy is. I love his name. Quint Doan wrote in about the candy darter on the golly. Mr. Doan uses terms like stakeholders and impact, so it must be a real deal. My question is most relevant to Mr. Geltman. This is the Geltman. This is turning into the Geltman episode. Well, I'll tell you, he's a lot more animated this week than he was last week. Yeah. You know, yeah. he was post food poisoning. 
and you just sat there basically rolling your eyes around in your head. That was probably the other, the other genesis of my sick line ran as I was just mad at the world last week. <laughs> uh, his question is, um, I think all boaters should be interested in wildlife and fisheries. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has petitioned the listing of the candy darter, a small fish native and still present in the upper Gali, as a threatened species under the Endangered Species Act. What are the host's thoughts on endangered species in whitewater rivers? So out I here, I've not formulated my policy yet. I'm going to have to defer this to Mr. Gellman. You know, out here in the Northwest, there's this, you know, as you guys know, salmon are a big deal out here. And there's this like perennial controversy about this like handful of sea lions that hang out right below Bonneville Dam and just like mow through endangered salmon. And you're not allowed to kill the sea lions because uh, they're protected by like the Marine Mammal Protection Act, I think. But at the same time, they're just like gorging themselves on endangered salmon as they're climbing up through the dam. And you know, like Jamie Herrera Butler, the congressman from White Salmon, she just introduced this bill to say that we can like shoot the sea lions because they're eating the endangered salmon. And it's like, what are we going to do about these sea lions? Should we should we kill the sea lions? Should we not kill the sea lions? Kayakers with the snail darter thing, we're the sea lion, right? Like the problem is not the sea lion. The problem <laughs> is that there's this giant Federal Columbia River power system that's brought salmon to the point that like one sea lion can kill off the entire species because we've already brought them to this point. And it's like it's the same thing with kayaking on the Gauley, right? It's like, yes, like we have a conservation ethic. If we don't want to be the ones who kill off an endangered species, if we need to make adjustments to the way kayakers are managed or whatever to make sure that we're not endangering any fish, like so be it. Like we're we're on board. But we're not let, let's make no mistakes about why this fish is endangered and it has nothing to do with kayakers. So like let's not try to try to make uh make kayakers the one people who are you know, sacrificing or balancing the weight of the survival of this species on kayakers because it's stupid. Like that's not the problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, let's, let's do our part, but let's like address the whole range of things that are responsible for these things, not just pick out one entity to like scapegoat. Dude, so what is the, what are the all, what, what are the problems? In particular, I, don't know anything about this. I don't really know anything about the this fish or the golly stuff to be honest and like we don't really work on endangered species act stuff i'm just ranting about that i like i like the new lewis <laughs> lewis is new me he's I'm, I'm gonna take a step back and let him take the heat for a bit i have a solution for the for the sea lions bring them to Irwin, tennessee hang them <laughs> <laughs> it can right? happen we'll show them we'll show them bring them over here you know? I just got a text from Isaac. We're going to call him in, right? Yeah, we're going to get him in in just a little bit. All right. So, see, uh, Lewis, see if you can uh, contact with Isaac and get a Skype handle because I don't think I have him on Skype. Um, all right. So, Mr. Weld, real quick here mm. before I get mm. our – there was an email that Chris Grotman's brought to you when we started talking <clears throat> about the green race because we're getting ready to get real heavy on the green race here with the Hammer Factor. The race. The Green River Narrows race. So – is there any way that we can read that email that Grotman's replied back with? Uh... Well, it was all over the place, and you know, I, I want There's a bunch of things in play here. For one, we we got we 
we had a really great email come in from a guy named Kevin Kennedy, who, and we're not going to discuss the bulk of the email right now. That's for another another time. Um, it's it's a very complicated question, uh, but he mentioned at the bottom that we need to stop talking about SUP. He is. I could not agree more. I think now is the time for us to move forward and try to unify our audience in the podcast around uh, a non-SUP platform. Because basically, and basically, the problem with Grotman's email is that he spent most of the email defending SUP in some form or another, which is utterly ridiculous. And I don't think it's right for us, and I don't think it's right for the country. <laughs> so you- I, I feel as though I have a disadvantage here because I, I'm not provided the context and the previous shit talking against me, so I can't respond. <laughs> right. Let me. Well, let, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. This hang on. just crawled out of his his bariatric chamber. <laughs> He's seventy five years old. He looks fantastic. <laughs> Crossfit. Maybe don't know about Chris, but he is tre- a tremendous physical specimen. <laughs> that was going to be one of my points for our green race discussion: is that the old man muscle is real. <laughs> welcome welcome to the show we have chris grotman's on the show and uh chris how are you doing doing great how are you guys doing good we're we're right in the middle of it so let's uh let, tell me about this whole like how do we convince well that sup is not the enemy here well my question is is well coming from an experiential side here or is it all just ego and uh <laughs> Inability to change and adapt to the world around us. It's you both. Know, well, the world we live in is adapt or perish. So where are you at, bud? <laughs> um, yeah, I've done it. <clears throat> it's completely uninspiring. Did, like, kind of like, kinda like that unicycle. Golly, right? Can we talk about I the saw, unicycle? I was on the, the golly uh, at Dinah Ledges, right? And people stop there and they would surf. And there's a bunch of people surfboards there, right? And they get out and they go back and forth a bunch of times. And it's not like the stoke you see on like a surfboard in the ocean. It's just people just going back and forth and back and forth. And the only thing I could think was is if there was no one else there, they wouldn't be down there. It's kind of a thing you go do because it's like a, hey, look, I'm on a surfboard in a river kind of a thing. Okay, I think I'm hearing a, a whitewater-centric kind of <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, there, You know, in, in my opinion, the sport encompasses a number of different things, just like kayaking does. And they all have their own appeal, and they're all awesome for their own reasons. I don't want to monopolize the hammer factor time by continuing this discussion that's, that's been a thread through the last, like, 20 episodes or something. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm on the pro-sup camp, so go ahead and put me over there on that side. He also, Grumman's also took a couple jabs at me with unicycling and a couple other things, but I'm not going to dignify those comments or response. <laughs> I do find it weird that you're a unicyclist, but you can't be into SUP. This is such yeah. a dichotomy here. There's like, anyway, this is I a mean, whole. In terms of like cool sports, you know, there's no question that you can argue that SUP is cooler than unicycling. Well, come on. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not talking about unicycling on the hammer factor. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you I, think, I think you guys have hit the parallel exactly, which is it's like a niche weird thing to do. You should yep. go do it if it makes you happy, but don't tell anybody else about it because we don't want to talk about it. Thank you. Hey, I think that's that's exactly right. I want to thank you. I, <laughs> talking about niche weird things. Let me let me let me have the handle here for just a second. So this weekend, I helped put on the the first Float Life Fest. It was a one wheel festival, one wheel enthusiast festival. It was a hundred one wheelers who came in from all over the world and whatever. And Mike T was there, world famous one wheeler. 
if that's a term, one wheeler. But he did have something that relates back to our conversation that was really cool. Was this little river surfboard like you're talking about, John? That mm. with the pump and everything, you could fit in the back of your kayak. So right. you could be out kayaking, whatever, and get to like a good wave or a good spot where there was some kind of access for this. Pump up your little whip there. Yeah. Sesh it out. What do you think about that? I have to be honest. I did want to try hop on a surfboard and try surfing that wave on a surfboard. Yeah. I was at a sport. I don't know, but it's something I wouldn't mind trying. That's really interesting. Um, I think that my overarching <laughs> uh, opinion of this matter is that, um, you know, the goal for me personally is to be a waterman. So I love to sail, kayak, stand up paddleboard. Uh, I'm not a very good surfer at all, but I, I try. Um, and everything in between. I don't do riverboarding, unfortunately. I've never been on a riverboard. Um, but I think there's something to be said for being able to enjoy whatever environment you, you have with, with the appropriate craft. You know, I can have a blast on class two whitewater um, or on class five whitewater, and you choose you, from your quiver accordingly. So I'll summarize my thoughts in that way. Who brought, who brought this guy on the show? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talk about a speed bump. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> All right, now we're going to bring uh, Jason Hale. I'm not sure if Jason Hale needs an introduction onto the show here. I'm going to get my hand on the beeper. Yeah. Like it's, beep sensor every fifth word he says. Yeah, it's, it's, time to, uh, it's time to get your sensor button ready. Uh, Jason Hale, can you hear us? Welcome to the Hammer Factor. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Hey, guys. How's it going? You look like you're in like Quintano or something. <laughs> I watched this in a way. She's like, I don't want to hear any of this shit. <laughs> beep. <laughs> I'm just going to do the beeps after. So, um, All right. So can we talk about the favorite topic that I would like to talk about on the Hammer Factor this episode, and that's the Green River Narrows race? Of course. All right, I'm going to get right into it. So the big controversy over the sick line race, the World Championships of Extreme Kayak Racing, um, which happens in Europe, is all about not allowing certain materials, not allowing boats with uh, appropriate grab handle placements. And in the green race, we have pretty much allowed whatever you can get down the river um, in the race over the course of its 20 one years of happening. Uh, but there's been a little bit of talk recently about people saying that it's unfair uh, for Liquid Logic to have the thermoform boats that uh, are only lasting for five or six runs, that kind of thing. They haven't quite got the ter- uh, technology figured out, but they are obviously. Hale, you got to put your headphones back on. We're getting an echo. Oh, um, sorry. Um, that it's unfair that those aren't on the market, and I want to get uh, everyone's opinion uh, on that. We'll start with you, Jason. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think anything – well, especially in the green race, which I can't really speak for other races. Um, it's an open-class race. You want people to be safe, but I feel like the BRAP was safe enough with their handles, so I think that was kind of a BS call. Um I, I would hate to stop the the building of a race. And I, I truly feel like that Liquid Logic was doing the thermofolding, which they were talking about, to see if it could be something they would sell. And if you know, if the rivets would have held or et cetera, et cetera, then they could have sold it and maybe only in a small number, 
would we not accept that? I think we would accept that. I mean, if, what if somebody brought a fiberglass boat and they only want to use it four times in the race? I think our race is strong enough where we want to break that four minute mark. And I mean, if we would have stopped listening, if we would have listened to all the boat makers back in the day and said, y'all need to stop paddling the tornadoes, then they they would have never built a green boat. They would have never built a stinger, but we kept using those older boats because we wanted to go fast. And so Dagger built a green boat, Liquid Logic built a stinger, you know, uh, Jackson has built the, the long boat. I mean, it, it pushes the sport. I mean, it's it maybe one year there's going to be a big hiccup. And do I think people could have beat the Liquid Logic team last year? I think they could have. I mean, I don't think it would as, was as easy as it could be, but I think they could have. I think if uh, Eric DeGill would have showed up in whatever boat he was in, I think he could have beat him. Chris, as uh, affiliated with, uh, it, let me just say this is this has come up before uh, in in the Green Race. Um, number one in two thousand six, when Pat had the um, prototype green boat out, everybody was just in Corsicas and tornadoes and whatever. And Pat shows up, wins the race in a prototype green boat. And then the next year, the green boat was born. So this is not a discussion that's happened in the, fa- in the past. But what happens if you get to a point where people are – dude, the Thermoform Stinger is faster, lighter, stiffer, certainly not as durable. But it's a you – know, for every minute, it's one to two seconds faster. I've paddled both of them back to back. At what point does it become unfair – to stack your team and your event with essentially boats that are never meant for production. Chris, do you have any, well, anything on that? You guys got me with the headphones? Yeah, I hear you. Okay? Yep, okay, yep. Cool. Um, you know, I, I completely agree with the, the, you know, having paddled, I've never paddled a, a composite uh, race boat down the green. That sounds incredible. I'd love to. Um, I have paddled carbon freestyle kayaks, and there's an undoubtable, advantage to having those things in every way. I mean, it's unbelievable difference. So I can only imagine and dream of paddling a um, uh, carbon slash composite longboat down the green race and a variety of other races. Um, And my response to it is that, you know, some might argue that, um, okay, everybody doesn't have that boat, you know, um, that's not fair, which is possibly what's going on with Sickline. Um, But it, 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 in my opinion, it, it kind of just puts the onus on the manufacturers to step up if it's if it's of value to them. And from my perspective, you know, um, at Dagger, we don't have a composite longboat, but I think it's awesome that the goal is to go faster in the green race, and that's the only goal. And there's no parameters around which you need to conform. Um, just innovate, you know, because you're absolutely right, John. The same could have been said about Pat in 2006 with the Greenboat Proto. Um, and look at where that product category has gone since then. I mean, um, it's, it's awesome that, you know, personally my, the green boat is my favorite boat to paddle period. Like I paddle it most of the year on many rivers, um, unless it's just not the appropriate boat, like an overnight or something. But, um, imagine if we had allowed ourselves to be constricted and never created that design because it, it wasn't officially allowed to win the race. And um, in terms of sick line, I, I actually have been thinking about this a little bit this morning, and um, I have a theory that the the brap it's possible that the brap and composite boats were banned from sick line because the qualifier for that event is on like a class two to three section of river that is not like kind 
whitewater to the to the class five course and thus would uh, allow people to qualify that just muscle it out on class two and three in, in a faster boat in those conditions. But then, you know, it, it may not be, they, they still may be faster in the finals, but I, I think that might've played into it. That was a bit of a personal revelation for me. Huh. Well, Goutman, what do you think about this? I mean, I think you guys are asking the right questions, you know? I mean, I think what's cool is like, it's a community race down there. Like you guys, like the race should be what you guys want it to be. And I think that it is like super cool that the green race has this successful history of pushing kayak design and like pushing kayak designers to make cool new boats. And you don't want to lose that. And at the same time, you don't want manufacturers making like $3,000 boats that are only going to survive, you know, three laps just so their guy can win. And like at that point, I think that you would be, you know, it would be a reasonable decision to say we don't want that in the race. I think the hard part about doing it the way you guys are doing it is that inevitably you're going to have to like say, you know, we're not allowing this boat in the race and people are going to get pissed off about it. But I think that How's you guys are, I think you guys are like thinking about it the right way, you know, like these are the right questions. Like how do we encourage innovation, but keep it a fair ish race? You know, I think if any mate, you know, of course, you know, <clears throat> This is, you know, not just my decision, but I think if any manufacturer is planning on bringing something to the market and they think it's innovative, even if they don't have it out at that point, it's always going to be welcome. So that's kind of my And I think, you know, it's like the short boat class, like that's the junior class, right? Like that's the stock class. And then you have the unlimited class and like, that's cool, you know? I say you check your sponsors at the door. Even put tape over the boat logos if that's necessary. Any, any craft you can get down that river is legal. Yep. Anything. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I, if you're ballsy enough to take a full length wild water boat down the green, more power to you. Let's, well, uh, let, let, I, oh, go ahead, go Chris. Ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I'm very interested to see. I've been hearing these rumors about um, Gar- Evan Garcia coming over with a, with a modified 10 foot boat or 11 foot boat or something. The interesting thing about the long boats is that they're faster if you paddle them correctly, but when they spin, they spin big. And there, I think there's a skill level um, kind of cutoff there where many people are, fa- are going to be faster in their creek boat. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if Evan comes over with a, a shorter boat that's, that's forgiving but still has good hull speed and ability to plane, and we get some high water where it, like, wants to spin the longer boats, then, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Oh. Well, uh, I want to introduce, we just uh, chimed in uh, two-time Green Race champion Isaac Levinson to the show. Are you there, Isaac? Yeah, I'm here. I'm actually um, switching onto my computer because I see you guys are all on, uh, you guys all have the video Skype going. I want to get in on that action. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> how are you guys doing? <laughs> good, good. Seems Isaac. like a panel on Fox News here. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is the biggest. I'm, I'm ready for my computer to blow up at any second. This is the biggest panel we've ever had here on the Hammer. So I'm getting couch. a busy message from uh, from you on there, John. I think we may just have to roll with what we got here. Yeah, yeah, Isaac. no worries. This is good. So, Isaac, How let are you me. you guys doing? Good, man. Let me throw this right out to you. You got into the conversation a little bit late. Should the Thermoform boats be banned or should they be welcomed? Man, I mean, since I started racing the green, it's always been wide open, you know, race what you've got. And that's something that's pretty cool about it. So, I mean, hell yeah. I mean, why not? It's going to help if it helps, like, innovate the sport in a way. And uh, 
I mean, I know that the boys at Liquid Logic have put in a lot of work to make thermoform boats, so why not? And I remember, like, you know, when I built a carbon boat, something that was cool was that you could actually race it at the green. You know, every every other race, it's kind of not really in the rules, but in uh, the green race, there's no rules. First one to the bottom wins. <laughs> so is it is it the product or is it the weight or what? I mean, what? You know, I know people are like, oh, at some point we're going to have to make a choice. But what what is it that you would want to make the choice about? Is it the manufacturers because everybody makes plastic? You know, I mean, that used to be the thing with the rodeos. They wanted to say no, no glass boats. But even now in the big trick competitions, all the big boys have glass boats. Even Dagger has the lightweight layup, you know, race boat for the green. And I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think people that want this boat that really want to win, that actually believe they can win, you know, I think they're going to find a way to get a boat in the game and they may miss a year. Like some people miss a year, the thermo, the thermo mold. I mean, it's lighter. It's a different product, but I mean, it, it pushed it. I mean, you could also take that dagger boat, drill out a bunch of holes in the walls, take out a bunch of the seat light, make a, get you a lighter skirt, lighter life jacket, just like the slalom guys do. Slalom guys are almost bare naked man they they have because ounces make pounds i mean it really is it coming down to weight or stiffness you know definitely the weight i mean that's the The biggest advantage and i think the biggest disadvantage to those thermoform boats are that they aren't very like durable like there's no rigidity to it the ones that i saw at least were like really flexible so the upside is that yeah they're lighter they accelerate better they're more responsive and i think a lot of you know the green race is about being able to accelerate you know if you're going to save a lot of energy getting the boat up to speed is um that much better so that's the advantage the disadvantage is you know the durability and and whatnot but then you know the other argument is that if it's um if it's something that's only available to a select few it's definitely kind of a, a bit of a turnoff for for the larger um population that are going to be racing the green and, and that, that that go ahead uh, that flex component is worth noting for the lightweight plastic boats as well, because a lot of totally. people have tested out that, you know, how little plastic you can put in the boat um, to, you know, hit that that ideal place of a, a lighter boat that, you know, if your boat is flexing like crazy underneath you, you're not going faster, even though you're lighter. Yeah, I think if it were me and I really cared, I would get like a green boat light and then lay up some carbon ribs on the inside. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Jordan Poffenberger's done that in his C1. He got a light layup stinger and then did carbon rails. Um, I think that's a good call. I would take the walls out and replace them with styrofoam. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, Maybe though, because this year, this year I'm going back to uh, full weight, just Karma Unlimited. Like, I'm, I'm not even doing the carbon track because the track kind of has become detached and that flex that you get if there's like that gap between where the um hole meets the uh structure support it's just like you're you kind of get this weird like bounce thing and i've just been paddling my my stock boat back here and it's it's fine you know it's heavier so i noticed the acceleration thing that's the biggest thing but once you're up to speed i don't think it i don't think it really matters to be honest like you know you just get that get that fucker going and go you know well yeah (laughs) here's the interesting thing about the green race versus many sports if you consider triathlons or even race john you got me here 
race sup like 14 foot carbon sup guys flat water sup guys or many sports they're so obsessed with their equipment they're just like oh i didn't do well today because of this and in the green race this is the most i've talked about about equipment in a long time with green racers because it's just like no excuses man freaking put your time down for the year you know and that's that's something that's very that is cool yeah, yeah that is cool that it, like i mean it's gonna help i think light boats definitely help and it's definitely you know there's something to be said there but at the same time like i think it can be done in any boat and um you know any boat that's like reasonable i think it can you can lay down that that fast time that you're looking for but you know looking down the future i mean lighter boats i think it's gonna be you know it's a major advantage i'm gonna say that for sure i, re- I remember my first upper yacht race this is back in 1936 <laughs> or seven <laughs> Uh, Phil Coleman showed up with a boat he made himself and was in a black bag. He didn't know what it, even know what it was, and he paddled it, made it in secret. He showed up with a black bag on his roof. Oh, that's sick! When he got to the race, he unveiled yes. it. It was the projection, and uh, I forgot how he did. But there was a time when people used to build boats for races. You know, yeah. it wasn't like a whole R and D team in uh, Greenville making a boat. It was just a dude in a shed making an awesome boat for one race. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'd love to see that. That's I was kind of that whole argument right now, though, is that if that starts happening, like that's the argument with like Corin's boats, and like if that starts happening, then it's like the people are afraid that it's going to kill the sport because you'll have to to compete. You would have to build a custom boat in a way, which I don't. I don't think is really true. I don't. He, I don't really think innovative. that's true. I think that's cool. <laughs> I want to see think... some some unsponsored charger out there. Exactly what I'm cars. getting at. Build yeah. a boat, and then I want to see all the sponsored kayakers bitching because they yes. can't win in the boat that they're required to paddle. That's the kind yes. of thing I want to see. Yes. If there's ever a place that's going to happen, it's going to be the Green River race. Put up like a bounty. You get like free dry suits for life if an unsponsored paddler makes a boat and wins the race. There you go. You heard it right here on the Hammer Factor. Theoretical conversation. No, no, no. This is this is this is this is written down. Check the show notes for the guarantee. I'm trying to think who that person is right now. Like, who's the person out there that could do that? Who's the unsponsored paddler? It's some homeschool kid from upstate Maine who's going to come down <laughs> in a boat that he made because that's what he's been studying for school. In his basement is boat building. Ah, what are they called? Manos. Manos. Yeah. yeah. It's probably the kid who won. Uh, it's probably the kid who won smalls to the walls. Uh, all right, moving on. Well, we're going to keep on the on the green race topic here. Uh, let's talk about – so there's – Isaac, you wrote a really good article uh, that I just saw that came out on the Jackson blog about the four-minute barrier and creeping down to it. And if you're not aware, let me provide the viewer a little backdrop. Long time ago, it was uh, – you know, breaking five minutes, and then it was 4:40, and a lot of this was hillocky over the years, and everybody chasing Tommy, and the times went down, and then it was Isaac and Pat and Grotmans, and then just the times just keep coming down and down and down, and you're not going to win the green race now unless you're in the teens. It's just not going to happen. Um, but there's that four minute barrier that just has not been broken yet. Is it? It how? And I'll let you go into kind of your position on this, Isaac. But how is that going to happen? Yeah. Well, thanks for the uh, yeah intro there. And um, and I think that what it will take is just um, a year with some good water and 
you know, we're just getting closer and closer every year. Like I know that like DeGill was doing some sub 410 recorded runs that I'd really like to see his GoPro of. And, um, you know, every year you just take a couple seconds off your time and then you get some bumps in the water flow and, and then it's bound to happen. I think for it to happen in the race would be crazy. It would be, I think it will eventually happen, but what I would like to see first is just somebody tag it in, in a practice run. That would be huge just to know that it's possible. And then once you have that, you know, knowledge that it, that it's doable and know what it's going to take, then, uh, it's going to really open up the door for it to actually go down. Um, personally, like, yeah, I think that it's definitely, I mean, the fastest I've done is like four thirteen or something like that four fourteen. So like taking 15 seconds off of my time is that's huge. You know, it's like so hard to get, to get a four thirteen that like, I can't really imagine what it's going to take to go harder, but, uh, you know, watching watching the guys at Sickline this year was really inspiring. Like the pace that they were paddling at was unreal. And I think that although that's only a 60 second long race, um, if you could take that pace to the green and hold that, I think that that's what it that's what it would take. So therefore, I think you would have to train extremely hard, like put in months of training, like doing ridiculous sprints at, at like, you know, four minutes, you know, to be able to hold that pace. And then, you know, it's white water. So it's just super unpredictable. And sometimes you get these really amazing surges where you don't get your face wet and everything goes perfectly. And sometimes the river has its way. So there's a lot that there's a lot that can happen, but it's definitely like, it's definitely doable. Like, I think that, I think that it will happen. So Isaac, what do you think are, and I have my own personal opinions on this matter, but I'm interested to hear yours. What do you think are the fastest, or what do you think are the water levels that will enable that, if any? Yeah, I know. We've always talked about that, right? I think, um, yeah, I think that like 14, 13, 14 inches seems like pretty magic flow because it's like fast and everything is like greased up in between. Like the upper part is like the first minute and a half. You can like take like five, six seconds off your run right there just from because everything's filled in and then it's not like crazy hard through go left and and all the other stuff down like through gorilla and the slides get like they're not they're not like crazy hard like they are at like 17 inches where you're just like taking chests of water something else that's interesting is the is the boat thing like i i do think that like you were saying earlier when i kind of tuned in the conversation that like I think shorter boats honestly might be the ticket. Like that 10 and a half foot length is like, there's something to be said about that. Like, I think that, you know, that could be one of the progressions in the, in the, in the direction of sub four. So, yeah. So you think it's going to take a different boat, Isaac, than what's on the market right now? No, no. I think it can totally be done with what we have right now. I just think that, you know, getting the consistency down might, you know, different, different designs could, could play a role in that. But I think it's, like, like, I'm not going to claim that I'm going to do it this year, but like, I, I'm going to go try, like I'm, you know, I'm fired up to bring my GoPro and just try to do as many fast laps as I can down the green this year. Like, like Pat always does and, and Chris and DeGill, like, you know, we're always chasing that right now. So mine as well. Well, let's, uh, you know, this year we, number one, we've got like some of the most stacked, um, We've got some of the most stacked field that we've ever had coming to the to the race, and 
I feel like this is going to be a record-breaking year as far as times, and that's just because the water level has been really good. There's more rain in the forecast, and I think we're just going to – it's just going to shape up. It's not like last year when we were in a big drought and everything that was going on. But, like, let's just go over this field. So you got the first and second place finishers at the North Fork Championship, Dane and Evan Moore, who are on the start list this year. Um, Evan, I don't know if he is he ever raced in any kind of technical race like this. This may just throw. So him he out. just he just uh, raced in the Gnarl Fest, which is the South Fork of the Feather. If you guys aren't familiar with that, that's a very strong, hard uh, grassroots race, and it also is having the challenges of where it's an open class race we showed up with uh, some long boats a couple years ago and it's that would be a good race for the hybrid length i mean because long boats are a little little complex the short boats are great but you could do a little longer boat but he has done that and he did fairly well and i think he got a fourth so he got he was out there and got fourth and got fourth and, 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 no i don't think so actually and i think did, he was closer to sixth Six. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. So maybe take his name off the dark dark horse list. Nah. Any first timer at the green. You put in the work. Yeah. You know most that's of the time they don't fare yeah. well. Yeah. And we I got DeGill. Especially Rush. <laughs> <laughs> we got DeGill, Keller, oh, Jones, Voorhees. <clears throat> anyway, it's going to be a stacked race this year. We got to move on from the green race. But one more thing before we move on here: Colin Hunt and Dylan McKinney. Is Dylan going to come off and bet? Or is he just going to be on the sidelines? Where is this at? Because this has been going on for a long time. I've been trying to make a bet with Dylan for three years now, and he won't bet me. So, Dylan, I'm calling you out. It's time to put up oh, or shut damn. up. Straight up, babe. He should bet him because some of his times are pretty good. I mean, it's worthy for a It's definitely a strong good race. Bet. That's, a, that's yeah. a really good race right there. But at the but, same time, you know, you could just go out there and race your own race and have no uh, – no outside pressure. And it's, it's not green so. race if you're not making bets. Oh, so. True. Okay. Isaac, are you, are you, you, are you bet. betting anybody? Come on, Isaac. Who are you betting? Uh, I'll bet you. We did it. No, I'm not betting. I know where I'm betting. I think you have 30 you seconds, dude. I gave you 30 oh, seconds. Right. I forget what we bet, though. Oh, you got to take that hell. All right. 30 seconds? I'm, I'm already 500 in. How much are we betting? <laughs> I forget. We made a good bet. All right. Well, we got to move on in the show here. Thanks for coming on, Green Race panel. Lots of good stuff there. And uh, yeah, this uh, will. Uh, is this wait? Is this is this our last show pre Green Race? This is it. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to pull it off again. Thanks. So should, we, should we have some predictions here or what? Yeah, let's throw it out there. All right, first, second, third. Lewis, you're up. I don't even know. <laughs> All right, so, all right, so I'll just go through the some of the top contenders here. Tommy Hillicky. Weld's eyes are glazing over. Matt Anger, Chris Grommet. <laughs> yeah, we got to preface our viewers that Weld hates it when I talk about the Green Rocks. I don't hate it. I just have very little to contribute. It's yeah. just a bunch of bunch of actual people hyped up over race. Uh, Chris Grommet. <laughs> well, you're such a curmudgeon. <laughs> Holt McWork. Kelman feels the same way. He's not, he just he just somehow skated out of this. Hey, I'm going to tell you someone who's going to do good this year is Alec. Voorhees. Do well. Do well. Do well. Well. Jesus Christ! Thank you. Come on. I have a question for you guys. Do you think you do you think you're at a disadvantage on the green race because it's so shallow and there's so much bottom drag if you're like a bigger dude? 
I, yeah, that's why Annie said without he a doubt. Race, he said there's no uh, yeah bigger boys. Yeah, yeah. I kind of have that in my head a little bit in the predictions, like as a check against like Alec Voorhees and Evan Moore. Like those guys are both super fast, but they're both like kind of big dudes. I feel like that that's a tough thing to overcome on the green. Yeah, but DeGill's massive and he and he crushed it last year. Yeah. You know, I think DeGill's unit for sure. Yeah. So, but he's also put in the time. He's got ten years of racing the green. So. There's that. So we got Keller, DeGill, Dane. I mean, throw it out there, Lewis. What you got? I feel like my picks are so, like, like boring, you know? I don't know. I mean, how do you bet against Dane? Dane, Isaac, Pat? I don't know. Dane, Isaac, I Pat. Well, I got to think about it. I got to look at the list. Uh, I'm going to say Hillicky. <laughs> Hillicky taking it home. All right. Where are you at? So DeGill won it last year, right? DeGill won. Yes, he yeah. beat Pat by one second. And then I think Brad McMillan was third. Brad McMillan yep. was third with like a yep. 421 or something like that. Wouldn't count him out for sure. That number one jersey is tough to wear. So I'll be interested to see what, uh, what DeGill does with that. DeGill also crushed the, um, the qualification race at Sick Line by a lot. And there's so many fast people there. So he's definitely got the speed. Indication of fit. Can't can't rule him out. That's for and sure. he was not in a thermal fold boat there at Cyclone. Yeah, I think he was in a flying squirrel, which makes it like that much more impressive, right? Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, is uh, is Ian going down? He's been smashing, huh? I think he is. Yeah, he just won the uh, moose race. Dude, Matt Max Blackburn definitely uh, was claiming Ian for the for the win. So yeah, I've heard and... a couple Ians been thrown out there. I mean. Salmeister's pretty quick. Oh. This this, uh, this dad squad, dad bod squad idea is pretty intriguing to me as well. Yeah. Uh, now, okay. Now that's something I'm interested in. Yeah, I, I saw Jason talking some smack about the the parents in Asheville, uh, but I'm I'm liking this this. Hell, uh, y'all got them. I'm like, Jesus, something's in the water. Oh, I don't yeah, have water joined, when I come to Asheville. Joined <laughs> the uh, the dad bod squad this year. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. I'll do father-son race. That's that's what I'm talking about. Because oh, Hillicky yeah. and I are – I'll show up for that. All right. Well, Howard, the Magleys are the first father-son race. It's happening this year. So that's going to be the that's cool. top of the Bad podium. Ass. Hell yeah. I mean, in Dad Bod, we got Grotmans. We got DeGill. We got Hillicky. We got oh, yeah. myself. The gills a dad, dude. That just oh, ruins man. it for us. Uh, yeah, that just got tough for you guys. Um, anyway, dad, 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 class is thick. All right, we are running. We are running out of time here, guys. We, Hale, throw us your predictions. Top three. This is the only oh, voice that matters. Um, I don't. I don't think Tommy's going to take it, but I, I think he may podium. So I'll put him third, and then it's going to be between I think Isaac and Dane, and I think. Hopefully, they'll separate themselves and not make my timing, our green race timing, choose it. But we do have a new timing system once again. So, good luck, boys. You guys, are, is it down to a hundredth of a second? A thousandth yeah, of a second. Thousands. Right. It's so what close. What is the timing system? It's a Broward timing system, laser timing system. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's operated by um, radio system, so... Hopefully it won't fail on which us. Is a, which is a challenge in the gorge. Last year we hardwired the whole gorge, which we've now cleaned up all that wire. And that worked for like the first four racers, but luckily <laughs> we didn't need it. Well, somebody freaking whacked it and that was it. it was, <laughs> yeah. <so>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All moving right, on. Next yeah, 
Yeah. Thank you, Hale. Thanks, guys. Can't wait for Green Race. Later. Yeah, we'll see you. Awesome. Later, see you guys. Next week. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. All right. Later, guys. There you have it. Well, you still awake? Yeah. All right. I like pre-race smack talking, man. And I like guessing what's going to happen in races. This is like solid sports talk radio stuff. This so, is, dude, should be solidly in our wheelhouse. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to put, <laughs> I'm going to put Dane as the podium. I'm going to put Pat in second and I'm going to put my boy Colin here in third. I mean, you can't, yeah. I mean, statistically speaking, Dane is more, is, is more likely to win than anyone else. Dude, he's on fire. It, it's I, like 25% chance of winning. That's more, more than anyone else by double you know, double points. Yeah. No, here I hear you. So let's, so let's move on from the green race. We love the green race. We'll talk about the green race, um, after the green race. And, uh, but right now we've got to, we got to pull green race legend, Russ Sturgis. (laughs) Russ Russ is a green race legend. He doesn't even know it. Um, I think he's well aware of that. (laughs) (laughs) He lived it. <laughs> and uh and anyway, we're gonna pull in uh pull in our green race legend green race legend Russ Sturgis and uh he will uh kind of set us straight on our cruise contest, which was wildly successful, I hear. <laughs> I'm surprised he had time to wait through all the entries. Yeah, yeah I, a lot. Yeah. There's a lot out of my time here. I'm yeah. pretty pretty busy guy, but uh, I, I did manage to get through most of them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> welcome to welcome back to the Hammer Factor, uh, living green race legend Rush Sturgis. <laughs> oh man, that's got to be my intro. <laughs> I've got to live with that for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. So we had a, what, a grand total of one or no, two entries, right? Yep, two entries. <laughs> and one, it was like one and a half, really. I mean, one of them was wasn't really even an entry. Right, just sort of a secret society that someone hinted about. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, those guys are, are are pretty much, I think, just getting disqualified right away because, like, I couldn't even look at their group or anything. I just had like a very vague, uh, you know, little description, and 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 that was about it. So um, clearly, being a first tier crew requires endlessly telling everybody else how sick you are, and if you're not right. doing that, that's right. Right, totally. <laughs> So yeah, DQ'd on that one. Um, you know, the, the only other entry we had was a uh, Quebec connection, um, who I'm I'm pretty familiar with. And uh, you know, let's see what's their. I, you know, I just I kind of went through a lot of the different groups here and just sort of read their descriptions because I think that's a good indicator of how um, gangster they are. Well, what crews were you looking at? Uh, I mean, you went beyond the submissions. Well, you know, we've, we've, yeah, I went beyond submission. I should say. Rush, are you there? Yo. Man, we may have lost Rush. This is not good. Right as we were getting to the money shot here. I'm going to try him back. See, the worst part about this is this just creates work for me. <laughs> oh, man. Do you edit this stuff out or are we supposed to be filming? I'll edit edit this out. I may, hell, I may just leave this in here. All right, Rush, you there? You guys, yeah, I'm back, back here. Sorry, we lost you. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah. So anyway, we got, you know, I've got uh, a solid list here. We've got uh, BDP, 
Quebec connection, um, River Borders in Canada, um, mm. and Sporty River River Jam Squad, which is obsolete at this point. Um, <laughs> and Ford. Yeah, Ford. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what was your? What are your guys' feelings on? On why don't we kick it off with Torrid? What's your? What do you think about these kids? Can you read their description? Yeah, let's see here. Uh, where I got it right here somewhere. Um, you know, I don't think they really had a uh, description on there. Actually, this is kind of a minus one. Um, like they have a mission statement. You're saying they need a mission statement of sorts. They, they, they need to go through some strategic planning. <laughs> they have, they like they're the most. Like what would be? I mean, I think you read you read uh, the mission statement of the Long Creek guys last week, which I thought was spot on, perfect. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I thought so. I thought so too. Um, and you know, I'm looking at just looking through this here. Yeah. So we've got you know BDP. Um, which is I mean, it probably has the best description yet. It says, this is mostly about kayaking and other things that get us wet. Also, balls deep since 06. This is a porn site church. <laughs> I mean, that's not bad. That's pretty good. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's I mean, pretty good. <laughs> I mean, that's I think pretty they good. Hit a, they, they hit a couple of key points there. I mean, yeah. I mean, but is I, that better than... Keep Long Creek gangster. We kayak hard and do cool ass shit. Oh man, they they uh, they edited it down. I think after the oh. show. Oh, they did. They did, didn't they? Oh, that's that may be some point deductions. Yeah, they oh, got man. Some I was wondering if you got any pushback from that last week, Grace. If you have had your tire slashed or any. Their, their any parents probably heard the episode and, and called them, told them to take it down or something. You know, I mean, I, I hope they were conflating. Well, thank you. Conflating my hysterical laughter with disapproval. I was laughing with joy. I mean, I thought there was a, I mean, it was gold what they had put down there. Truly. Well, I want to quickly just kind of go and, you know, just touch on, on BDP. Cause I feel like BDP is maybe kind of like the left coast version of like the Long Creek gangsters. Is that maybe a fair comparison? I think it's sort of the uh, Snoop. Yeah. Long like, Creek. Like some Tupac Biggie stuff. Tupac. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one, but we'll roll with it. We'll go with it. I mean, but you know, that said, like you're like, looking at the the West Coast here. I'm in power with these guys a lot. You know, you have a pretty all star cast here. Uh, King Hesh, you know, in my opinion, one of the more talented, underrated voters out there in the game. You know, with strong competitive standings, and he can you know uh, party with the best of them. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, Jam Boy. Also, arguably one of the more progressive powers in the game. I mean, this guy, he, he doesn't, uh, you know, he brings a breakdown on the river, not because he's worried about uh, breaking his paddle, but because he does so many paddle tosses. <laughs> That's pretty rad. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty good. And I mean, like burly ones, dude, like, you know, under the, the log at Stovepipe down the right there. Like, he's done that a few times. I mean, it's, it's impressive. It defies logic, really. Um, this is the BDP crew you're talking about. This is the BDP crew, Balls Deep production. <laughs> Dang. Uh, I have a real mention, soft spot. I have a real soft spot in my heart for BDP. I mean, should we mention Tits Deep, the female counterpart to Balls Deep? Is that a thing? Yeah, that, that kind of was a thing for a while there. I, they've been, um, I don't know if they've been active as much in recent years, but they're, I mean, for sure gang-related as well, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> should we find a Tits Deep description real quick? 
yeah, see what you can see what you can pull up there. <clears throat> one other thing to mention about BDP is, you know, one of their main athletes, uh, Eric Parker, um, he actually, I, I left a kayak at their house one time and he actually got drunk and uh, sawed it in half. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, that is, that's gangsta. That's gangsta. That's that is gangsta. Uh, all day. Perfectly, perfectly, I'm making a note of this. Functional mamba. Functional kayak. Speaking of, uh, of belligerent kayak destruction, uh, Rush, do, do, do you have any rumors you want to spread on the, on the podcast this week? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing with fire. I don't know. What do we got here? What do we got here? What? Well, Elaborate. It's exclusive. What's the Hammer Factor exclusive? We need like a music to like <laughs> bring in the Hammer Factor exclusive. I don't know. I don't know if I should touch this one. Uh, it's, it's, it's too gang related, I think. Ah, <laughs> oh, my God. Really? <sighs> All right. All right. Are you leaving the country next week, right? For like three months. Yeah. <laughs> well, ho- hopefully like three weeks. Unless I well, whatever. Let's just let's just spill our <laughs> spill our guts, and uh, by the time you get back, it'll all be gone. Believe me, Trump will have eclipsed whatever nightmare you're about to reveal in <laughs> several hours. All right, all right. what you got, well, Rush? I'm not going to say any names. I don't know anything um, more than you know. There was there was a dispute between some paddlers, and someone ended up getting their kayak shot with some holes in it. Um, this is. Just rumor, just hearsay. Don't know any names. There's don't even know if it's real. But you know, that's that's the deal. When you play around with these gangs, you <laughs> happens. Yeah. Was it a drive by <laughs> or uh, did they post up? But uh... <laughs> all right, let's get into tits deep here. Ladies who are charging in extreme sports, these chicks are considered tits deep. We are real powerful and bring the most substantial amount of style and ease into everything that we do. Wow. It's not gangster It's pretty enough. It's eloquent, but not gangster. I feel like they right. just borrowed a bunch of buzzwords from other groups on that one. Yeah, they kind of nailed that one in. Yeah. It feels a little ethnocentric to me. Yeah, very <laughs> ethnocentric. <laughs> well, let's, 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 let's read the Quebec Connection one, because this is, I think, probably the most boring of them all. <laughs> we are a group of paddlers working hard to promote whitewater kayaking in Quebec by creating visual content, stories, and memories. Hashtag Explore Quebec. Man, that's so I Canadian. Think that's the Outdoor Alliance tagline. But they're just <laughs> like it was written by the Quebec Tourism Board. They're just <laughs> Canadians are so nice, dude. That just and defines how nice Canadians are, right there. I mean, I mean, they're trying to be gangsta. I'll just tell not... you, we, we try to be gangsta out here, but we got nobody shooting holes in yeah, other that, people's. Yeah, that, that's actually pretty hard for uh, a bunch of Canadians. I'd we say. have boats being sawed in half. We have boats getting shot. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Obviously, the Compton of the paddling world is somewhere out there by you, Rush. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I think it's, Good I think old Benjamin. King Hesh, who's basically like a kingpin of some sort. <laughs> he's, their little, he's their ringleader. Right. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to mess with him. Um, so the other one I had on my list here, uh, which I think is worth worth bringing up, I, I didn't find a description for them, but um, uh, the River, River Borders, um, mm-hmm. Canadian, Canadian River Borders. I gotta say, man, I I never thought I'd say this, but I give those guys props, dude. Um, have you guys watched the Tom Patterson promo video? It's oh yeah, pretty, it's pretty impressive, man. That's pretty cool. Well, it's gonna happen. I haven't seen it. You guys aren't on board. 
I'm on board. I haven't seen it. I'm on board. It's impressive, man. I mean, this guy. I mean, he's he's running legit stuff on a riverboard, like duck diving holes. I mean, it, it's like it's different, you know. And and uh, hell, I would not want to be out there on one of those things. Not a chance. It's like if uh, stand up paddleboarding was actually cool. Ah. <laughs> Would be like that. <laughs> well, this came to us. This came to us by by way of Jed Hawks, who wrote an email to us, alerting us of the Canadian freestyle riverboarding people. And I'd even look at it because right off the bat, I'm like, you have he had four strikes in a row, which makes me think he doesn't even listen to his podcast. He had freestyle, he had riverboarding, he had Canadians. Boom. And I was like. He, this is he has the wrong podcast. Yeah. Okay, right now I'm gonna apologize to Canadians. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Oh, sorry. So, so Rush, Rush, who's who's your winner? Who's the who's the cruise contest winner? Well, yeah, we haven't. We, we, we I think should go back to Torrid because we didn't really get to chat too much about them. Did did you guys have you had a little something you wanted to talk about with with them? Were they aren't they immersion research or who they, they were? Who, I are. And then they quit to go to. They found like a new flashier girlfriend uh, who had a nice car, uh, sweet. Um, yep. And evidently now they're back. I don't know about this, but Max Blackburn let us know the other day the Tord is back on the IR team. I'd love to know how that transpired. I haven't yeah. talked to these boys. I'm going to tell you a story about a similar situation years ago, and I'm not going to mention any names, but, I, but let's just call him Little Dave. All right. <laughs> <laughs> There was a boy named Little Dave who used to paddle for immersion research, and he too was wooed away by another sponsor who waved some money in front of his face, and he left, and that company, Patagonia, went out of business about eight months later. So, And he, of course, uh, tried to come back, but things didn't work out, and now look at him. Okay, he came, no, came, came calling back. He's just a washed-up pro. Yep. Right. Now he's living in a cardboard box somewhere in L.A. Yeah. yeah. Happens, happens to the best of them. Dude, he's, he's out Bundy, dude. He's out selling shoes, man. <laughs> uh, well, shoot, man. I, I think it's pretty evident who is the most gangster here. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with, with – I never thought I'd say this because I actually really dislike them, but uh, BDP. <laughs> <laughs> So BDP is officially the top crew for 2018. Yeah, top. They can put that. They can put that on their Facebook. The, the world's top crew, as rated by Hammer Factor. Well, top gang, most gangster. Yeah, yeah they're it's top gang. yeah. The the we email should make like a like a seal, like you know, like the outdoor outside magazine top gear seal. We should make one of those for their website. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Rush. Do they have a gang sign? Because if they don't have a gang sign, that can oh, knock yeah, them down. Yeah, for sure. It's, they're okay. the church. I mean, they're, this is, yeah, that's the origin of church, you know, which can be, you know, heard on every river on, in, on the planet nowadays. Um, so, you know, yeah, they've got the, they've got the church thing going. Um, yep. They, they actually, I think, started gang signs and kayaking or, you know, Definitely, definitely some of the founders there. Well, there you go. Making a comeback. There you go. You have it. All right, BDB, congratulations. You guys have made it. You're number one, gang. In fact, I wonder if there's any French gangs. Or any sup gangs. Ooh. Are there there any sup crews that we should be evaluating? Mm. I feel like that could be mined for some humor. I'll bring that in next episode. (laughs) All right, before we get into our... 
rants and raves here. I want to go ahead and uh, next issue, uh, we have a ladies episode coming up is what I'm hearing with an yep. all-star studded cast, um, including your lovely wife, Kara, and Noria, and some other folks. Who else on that? That call. Look at the show notes. It looks pretty good. I don't want to mention the guests. I'll let them announce it, but they do have a couple great guests. I think they're going to pick up where you guys left off uh, with Adrian, I think, in the green race, but I'm not 100% sure. I think they are, they're looking at some uh, women-specific boats. Um, and that's next week. I think they're going to record it, so it's coming right out. We're, going to, we're taking a break, right, until after the green race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then we also have our uh, anonymous boat reviewer coming on. For his ah, right. for his first episode that will be coming on after after the ladies ladies issue right that will absolve us from any blame for any uh, negative or positive things said about a boat manufacturer. There you go. Right. There you go. Perfect. And, and then also we should I, Kevin Kevin Kennedy. I know you're out there. You wrote us a great email. It's been read. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, we're discussing it here internally. Uh, but hopefully we'll have more about that later on. It's a very layered email, so yeah. we'll we'll peel it back. All right, let's get right into it. Rush, I had I know you had no idea you were doing this. Uh, rants and raves, everyone's favorite part of the show. What is your rant or what is your rave? You can kick it down the road too and come back. To, we can come back to you. Yeah, yeah, come come back to me. I didn't know I was gonna be on the spot. All right, All right. Well, that's how we roll here. I'll lead this off. I'm gonna go ahead. I have a rave I, and. The reason I have a rave is because you know how we talked a while back about doing like old school boat reviews. You guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I did. I did a. Rev- I, I took the old Spirit out, the the prototype Spirit, one of the <laughs> first first boats that's ever been rotomolded molded in the U.S. And uh, it was. Did horrible. you steal that like the Smithsonian? It was. Horrible. It was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> really? Okay. And so I'm just gonna you tell. I'm just, oh my God, dude, you couldn't turn it. The cockpit, I couldn't mm-hmm. fit my laptop computer in the cockpit. It's so small. Which is, dude. that is a requirement, I mean, mandatory for millennial voters, I suppose, right? I, <laughs> none of my skirts would fit it. I just kind of put them over there, over the top of it. It's just had the tiniest skirt. It has anti-rocker. Like literally, Camber. yes, exactly. It has zero chine, no edges. It's got no. How are you supposed to plug a waterfall like the Red October if you don't have an anti-rocker? Anyway, it was With your hands above your head like. It was horrible. It, it, it scooted along really good in the flat water, but it was horrible. What I'm going to rave about is just the next day, I went out to the same spot to the ledges, and I had my Odachi and lightweight stinger. And super waterproof Royal Flush spray skirt and all of this incredible gear. And so I'm just going to rave about how badass the gear is now compared to that dinosaur that I took out there. So that's what I got. I'm just going to rave on all the cool stuff we get to use. Anybody else? Yeah, I'm going to rant about... Green race haters, John Weld. You know there are all these people out there who hate, hate on the green, hate on the green race. The green race is unquestionably the world's greatest kayaking race held in the southeast. Amen. It's Jesus one of the most the greatest race held in the Asheville area. Asheville Brevard Saluda Triangle. Class four runs in Western North Carolina, hands down. Uh, 
I mean, it draws a field of the world's best southeastern kayakers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I see where this joke's going. I sort of like it. <laughs> Yeah, I just I don't I don't know where all the hate comes from, man. I'm just yeah. <laughs> so I've got a a rave followed by a rant. They're kind of tied together. Um, I got a rave on all the people that come in from out of town to race the green race because it is you know very different than all the races out there. It's very technical. You're dodging Ooh. in between rocks, and there's undoubtedly a locals advantage. You know, like people that come in from out of town, they have a week or two to learn the lines on a long race course. You know, the, the locals that race it and you're getting four twenties, they've been practicing for months and months. So love all the guys that come in from out of town. And I got a rant on the locals that hate on the out of towners. Um, there is, who is that? Oh, I guess you can't name names. Well, I don't, I don't even know who these guys were, but we were at the after party last year and, you know, Rush was in the middle of getting his hair dyed purple <laughs> after, you know, pretty epic race. And, uh, <laughs> It was, but yeah. Some some guys just like walked up and were like, hey, you suck, man. Your race sucked. Like, welcome to the green. You know, it's like that's not the negativity or that's not the attitude that I like to see at the green race. Like, if you don't have, you know, anything to contribute positively, like, you know, stay home, don't come. Hate I hate on haters. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of unfortunate. But you know, at the end of the day, like I can I can I can take all of that pretty well i feel and and uh it was all good throughout the whole night like i'm told like it's a lesson in humility and i like it's good to laugh at yourself you know and everything was funny up until it kind of like at a certain point was like all right this feels like a little malicious you know or you know just like didn't feel welcome you know but overall like i have nothing but like awesome things to say about the community out there and i did like actually have like an awesome week and was like stoked to put down some like you know, 425s in my practice or whatever and, and uh, just start to get it dialed, you know, despite my, my blowout in the actual race. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, my whole the, green thing. Race, the green race is legitimately sick, man. I like to have fun at races expense and I see him staring daggers at me right now. But all good banter, man. I got it. I could do a, I could do a rant. Um, slightly off topic and on a more serious note but uh don't you guys like just get the feeling lately like the world is like kind of falling apart <laughs> you know <laughs> try not to think about that's, it that is the king of all rants right there <laughs> <laughs> and I think, should we just end there i mean on, of all time. <laughs> like you can go into it on so many levels but i think what you know, speaking to this podcast specifically more just like environment, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, whether or not you believe climate change is caused by humans or not, like it, it, uh, like things are changing and weather patterns are getting different and, and whatever we're doing here as, as humans or, you know, it seems to be impacting, um, the planet and potentially our survival. Um, I don't know. It's just something that it's always occurred to me, but lately has felt more, pronounced and i guess my rant would just be i think like as much as we can complain about policy and, and you know government not doing enough to combat this ultimately like we kind of each need to make an effort as much as that might sound like a hippie dippy thing to to say like 
yeah, it's, I think it's, it's vital for, um, the preservation of life as we know it. Well said. Well said. We have a hashtag for that rush. It's called hashtag everything is fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Weld, where are you at? All right. I got a rant. It's not quite as big as Russia's rant. I mean, I'm going to take it down a notch. Okay. I'm going to be a little more specific. Uh, all right. So I had this I had this thought at like five in the morning a couple of months ago, right? And I'm thinking – I'll start explaining it like this, right? So let's suppose kayaking is like a species of creature, right? And if there's an origin of our species, it's like a kid – kids who are playing by a river, like throwing sticks in a river and, and they, they get to like a waterfall or a slide and they jump and they start swimming. You know, that's like the core love of paddle sports or kayak, whatever kind of comes from that kind of a feeling like a joy. Right. Uh, and it's sort of exploration and white water and current and swimming and all these things, uh, jump to now where you have people wearing dry suits in the summer. Right. My rant is on people who are dry suits in the summer. Now, I make dry suits for a living, and I love selling dry suits to people. But if you're in the East Coast and you're wearing a dry suit and it's 80 degrees out, you're, you're missing the point, I think. You're, on Grace. you're essentially ranting at me. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, first of all, as a, I, I, I know every dry suit manufacturer out there and we all complain about people who wear dry suits in the summer and they write us for calls and say, I'm soaking wet on the inside of this thing. It's because you're sweating. You're tipped off. <laughs> uh, but also it just seems like you're taking a step back. You need to, if you're, it's warm, if it's warm and you're paddling East coast, go paddle in a t-shirt. You know what I mean? Yvonne Chouinard once said after a product meeting where people were talking about how they're trying to keep a rain jacket waterproof. He's like, what's wrong with being wet? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to get wet. I'll yeah. say I do go from like a shorty, and as soon as it starts getting cold, and I got to start thinking about putting like latex gaskets on and whatever, I just go straight to dry suit. There's no dry top for me. So, yeah. hate all you want. I don't really like wearing dry suits if I don't have to. Yeah, like I paddled. I paddled. Well, I, as I mentioned a couple times, I paddled the Gala this whole fall. Where it's beautiful. It's 80 degrees and. The water is like 70 degrees. Why would you want to put anything but the lightest amount of gear you could possibly put on? I like it because it keeps my socks dry. I can just wear the same socks all the time. (laughs) There you go. It's a comfort thing for me, personally. I'm I'm all about the dry season, summer, winter, whatever. I mean, especially around here where the rivers are actually like cold year-round. Well, you guys have a different situation. Yeah. I think the the dry deck is a garment that... More people should ah, familiarize themselves with. Ah, back at Valley Mill. Uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we'll end there. Congrats, congrats to BDP for winning the cruise challenge. Um, and uh, thanks again, Rush, for coming on. We are excited to hear about your Indus trip when you get home. Safe travels to you and the team. Thank you. And uh, until after the green race, Hammer Hold Factor's Kara's here. Kara's here. Hey, Kara, do you want to talk about the women's show? What's coming up? She's saying no. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not ready. All right. All right. It's going to be ready. awesome. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. There you have it. Thanks for yeah. listening to the Hammer Factor. Until next episode, we will see you on the river. Ciao. Thanks, see you guys. <clears throat>